front first row. The stage, <laughs> you can stand right alongside me. I don't know why it's getting smaller every week, but it seems to be. I'll see if I can remedy that for the last session. <laughs> anyway, good to see you tonight. Trust you're having a good week. Uh, we did uh, get possession of the building yesterday. Kent, were you over there today? Yeah, Kent was getting the, everything's getting re-keyed as far as entry. So, uh, yeah, it was quite the deal. I just kind of walked through there yesterday. Jay and I were kind of walking around, at least I was, and uh, just getting the feel of the place. A lot of building over there, that's for sure. So, uh, anyway, exciting times. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. I want to look at verses uh, 10 through 13. Arm yourselves for spiritual warfare is what I've titled the message. There's a part two. We'll get through part one, Lord willing, tonight. So uh, let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to study the word together. I thank you for each one that's able to come out and and their interest in the things of God, the word of God, and uh, the people of God. And so we just uh, commit our time to you. Pray, Pray it might be fruitful and profitable as we are once again reminded that we are in a spiritual war. And we feel the effects of it. It's, uh, it's a battle. And so, Lord, guide and direct us in our study. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, we are looking at slide number one. At least we're trying to. We're straining. What this says is Ephesians. Okay. You with me so far? Take your word for it. The church. And then we got positional truth in chapters one through three. Union with Christ. Union with each other. That's the essence of the church. And then Paul, as he typically does, after he lays down a doctrinal foundation, uh, he builds practice. And we got practical truth, uh, walk in unity, holiness, love, light, and wisdom. Uh, strong emphasis on the submission theme under that, uh, these uh, themes, really. Uh, submission to one another, wives to husbands, children to parents, slaves to masters. Well, tonight, yeah, he builds towards this, uh, this climactic theme, in many respects, uh, called spiritual warfare. So uh, we've been talking about how to walk, and now uh, really what Paul will emphasize is what we are up against, what we're up against in our, in our walk. And what he really presents is that it's a war zone. Uh, it's a war zone. Uh, sometimes we feel that, right? I mean, sometimes uh, it really gets kind of rough. But we are in a spiritual war. Um, Three great battlefronts. Number one, the world, the rebel system of unbelievers. We've got three great enemies here in a sense. The flesh, internal enemy, the sin nature, and the devil, active spiritual personality. Of course, under that, uh, all the demons who uh, serve his cause with him. So we're talking really about uh, the the battle with uh, spiritual forces tonight, with demonic activity, with the devil and the demons. Um. We have in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, the strongest passage on spiritual warfare that we have in the New Testament. And we will see that the emphasis is really defensive, not offensive. Uh, Believe me, you don't have to go after the devil. Uh, He's coming after you. So you don't have to go out trying to find him. He knows where you live and he's coming for you. So the emphasis is not like, well, I'm going out beating the bushes to try to go after the devil. No, that's not the emphasis. There's really three passages in the New Testament on how to deal uh, with Satan. 
uh, we have what I say is the strongest passage here in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. But then we also have James 4, uh, 7 and 8, and 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Uh, this is a good summary statement from a Bible commentator. Uh, the Old Testament gives considerable mention to Satan and his work. However, there are no cases where Old Testament saints spoke to him or tried to cast him out directly. So that's, a, that's good to think about as far as foundation. We don't have any of this in the Old Testament. You don't have any exorcisms taking place in the Old Testament. Plenty of demonic activity, ultimately. The devil's certainly there. But we don't see that. The gospel era was a unique period of time with the presence of Jesus, the Son of God, on earth. Demonic manifestation began. Really don't see it in the Old Testament. Now it comes to the fore under the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, Demons openly displayed their presence so that Jesus' power and authority over the demons could be demonstrated. There are those who want to base their theology of demons on the Gospels since they cannot get it anywhere else. And that's a good point right there. You know, you really don't find this in the epistles per se. A little bit in Acts in conjunction with the apostles' ministry, but mostly in conjunction with Christ's ministry in the Gospels and by extension, his apostles. So really, um, like he says here, uh, as we've already shown, because of the uniqueness of the gospel period, one should not build his doctrine dealing with demons based on how the Son of God dealt with them. Jesus Christ's personal power and authority over demons as the Messiah cannot be transferred to anyone else. It is true that he gave that authority to the apostles to go out and represent him. But that apostolic authority ended with the death of the apostles and does not transfer over to us today. Now, some would argue that, you know, you have those that say, well, hey, we are doing what the apostles did. Sorry. Nope. They were unique. That's bad theology. Uh, because of the nature of their commission. Their casting out demons cannot be made normative for believers today. Uh, The activity of demons in the epistles is well documented. However, dealing directly with demons is never addressed in the epistles. This is is important since the epistles dealt specifically with instructions for the church. And so that's really what we're zeroing in on here even in Ephesians. Nowhere is the concept of speaking to or casting out demons mentioned. So that's, uh, that's good background there. Um, I really think uh, this throwing yourself around in the spirit realm is characteristic of false teachers. Uh, for example, we have uh, presumptuous false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. Well, he, he's talking about false teachers. They're despising authority. And really, he's talking about spiritual authority and really even talking about demonic uh, realms of authority. Uh, He goes on to say, they are presumptuous, self-willed. They don't know any authority but themselves, supposedly. Uh, They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. And I take it he's talking about those dignitaries being angelic powers, demonic forces in context. And he continues, whereas angels who are greater in power and might uh, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. And I think this corresponds to Jude. Likewise, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority. They got a, false teachers have a problem with authority. And speak evil of dignitaries. Again, I think he's talking about the angelic realm, uh, specifically demons, fallen angels. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, which would indicate what kind of uh, dignitaries he's talking about here. Yet Michael, uh, the archangel, continued with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. 
The Lord put you in your place. And, uh, you know, these false teachers, they have no problem throwing themselves around in the spirit realm, like binding demons, casting them out, all this. But he's saying, well, hey, even Michael, the archangel, he just said, the Lord put you in your place. The Lord rebuke you. Matthew 12, 29, uh, Christ is speaking, or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? In context, really, the strong man is Satan. Only Jesus can bind the strong man of Satan. And so uh, we want to be very humble here as far as what we can and what we cannot do. Uh, Believers can be oppressed. They cannot be uh, possessed. But they can be oppressed. Um, Let's see here. As you study the New Testament, you find the way to be free from Satan and demon possession today is through the gospel. We present the gospel to people, and when they believe it, they are freed from Satan's grip. That's it. There's no other way. Uh, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. When one becomes a believer, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and can no longer be possessed by an evil spirit. 1 John 4, 4, uh, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So there's a real contrast between uh, the one who's in us and the one uh, in relationship to the world. So again, we can be oppressed, but not possessed. Uh, we are involved in spiritual warfare, and uh, we are, that's the whole point of what we're studying here tonight. Now, in a war... <clears throat> In warfare, intelligence is very important, right? Uh, I will not give any present-day examples, which are very easy, too easy a target there. But uh, intelligence is key in warfare. And uh, we want to focus on Christ. That's the emphasis of the New Testament. Uh, you don't want to focus on the devil. I've been in conversations, you know, a new believer, you, you don't know much. And somebody starts talking about, you know, the, the demonic realm and the experiences. And, and boy, pretty soon this becomes oh, fascinating stuff. It's like, that's not the emphasis of the New Testament. The focus is on Christ. However, there is this reality of the satanic realm. And we, we want to be aware of it. We want to be aware of the enemy. And yet not uh, preoccupied with the devil. We want to be preoccupied with Christ. But there is uh, some things to know. Uh, intelligence is key, and that's what we have here. Somebody, re- We're going to kind of piecemeal this uh, tonight. Somebody read verse 10. We're going to take four verses, take one at a time. Somebody want to read uh, chapter 6, verse 10? Ephesians 6, 10. Yeah, Mac? Okay, very good. Finally means, in conclusion, uh, my brethren, his fellow believers, be strong in the Lord. Uh, This is where our strength is found. It's found in the Lord. It's in the passive voice, which emphasizes reliance or dependence upon the Lord. Uh, In the Lord is uh, because of our union with him. Uh, That's where we are as believers. Spiritually, we are in the Lord. We're in union with him. And that's where our strength is found. It's not found in ourselves, in our own brilliance, in our own strength. No. Uh, Be strong in the Lord. Uh, And there, there is an emphasis on human responsibility here. I mean, our strength is in the Lord. And yet we will find that we need to rely upon him. Uh, and in the power of his might. So note the, the emphasis here on strong, power, and might. Really kind of stated three times. A little different terminology. But uh, strong, power, and might. 
Strength is required in spiritual warfare. You know how you win wars? You don't do it through weakness, right? You do it through strength. And so strength is required in spiritual warfare. By the way, all three of these terms, uh, strong, power, and might, are used in reference to the resurrection in chapter 1. These are resurrection terms, powerful terms. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. So we get the point. He wants us to be strong in uh, the Lord. And uh, we see why as we now continue on. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, one more thing here. The power is of God, and yet it must be appropriated. Uh, God's provision is adequate, but we are responsible to apply it. And that's what the emphasis will be. All right, any thoughts here before we go on to verse 11? Okay, somebody want to read verse 11 for us? Yeah, Leanne? Okay, so there's an appeal made here. Put on, uh, really, literally, be, be clothed in. Be clothed in. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, metaphorically, he's using the language of uh, a soldier who's in full battle dress. That's the, that's the metaphorical picture he's uh, painting here. And the, and the emphasis is, you need to be prepared for warfare. This is war, and you need to be prepared. You know, if you're going to win the battle, you've got to be prepared. You have to be equipped and you have to be protected. And that's his whole emphasis here. Uh, no pun intended, whole, uh, whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Go in God's provision. Uh, go with all that God has provided for you in the spiritual warfare. Uh, whole is the idea of being completely protected. There's to be no area of our spiritual life uh, where we are negligently leaving it exposed, because then we're, we're vulnerable. So put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here is uh, how you remain standing, right here, in the spiritual war. Uh, you put on the whole armor of God, and he says this twice, uh, we will see it again in verse 13. Put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, here's a key word, stand, stand. The idea there is uh, hold your position, hold your position, stand your ground in Christ. Uh, And the idea here is you don't cave, you don't quit, you don't retreat, you don't surrender. In terms of our position in Christ, we can lose nothing. But in terms of practice, we can lose a lot of ground. We can lose our testimony. We can fall from our steadfastness. We can be unfruitful. We can be, uh, or unfaithful. We can be unfruitful and we can lose our reward. So this really relates to our practice. Uh, He's talking about, you know, how we, how we live it out. Our position, nothing's going to touch that. But in terms of our practice, that's where the the battle rages here. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Yeah, this interesting word, the word uh, wiles. Uh, The devil is after you. And uh, he's stalking you. He wants to to make you fall. And uh, this word wiles is from the Greek word methodia. 
from which we get our English word method. It's the idea of schemes, strategies, or tactics. It's the idea of subtle plots or crafty plans by which the devil, and by extension his minions, the demons, seek to bring us down in our walk with the Lord. So, uh, you know, it's good to know this, that in this spiritual warfare, we've got a, a spiritual enemy who is strategizing about how he's going to bring us down. What's going to work on Pastor Dwight? How can we get him to fall? Uh, he's working on this night and day, strategizing. Where is there any little weakness? How can, who can I use? What can I use? How can I get him down? Uh, isn't that an interesting thought to think about that? I mean, that's what's going on in all of our lives as, as believers. That the wiles of the devil, the strategies, the methods. He's plotting our downfall. He wants us to fall. And we see so many Christian leaders fall, right? And we do. Uh, we need to pray for those Christian leaders. People like me. <laughs> people like our elders. Uh, people, you know, they are in a key position of being targeted by the devil. And of course, but this is written to all of God's people here. Uh, by the way, this word wiles is translated cunning craftiness in chapter 4, verse 14, in relationship to the, the cunning craftiness of men who, who uh, seek to deceive. So I think there's a, there's, a, there's a real connection here between the idea of wiles and uh, uh, deception or craftiness. <clears throat> the devil is ever strategizing in terms of how he can make us fall. He's a stalker. He knows you well, your routine, your weaknesses, your history. He's been doing this since the Garden of Eden and knows what strategies are very effective for practically any situation. Sometimes he comes as an angel of light, full of deception. Sometimes he comes as a roaring lion, seeking to cause us to fear and doubt. Uh, so he's got all kinds of different strategies. And there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, he's tried this and worked very effectively over here. And he tried, uh, the nature of man continues to be the same. And, and I think what the devil's doing, there's really nothing new under the sun here. And uh, he uses lots of things like uh, discouragement. You know, when you get discouraged... Man, many times I've been discouraged and thought, I feel like quitting. Uh, I know you, none of you are in that camp. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just tired. You know, you can get discouraged. Uh, moral failures, uh, doctrinal error. How about pride? Pride. I mean, the devil is, uh, boy, he is fostering pride, you know. And so anyway, lots of things in are in here. And it's interesting, he says, the wiles of the devil. The word devil literally means slander, slander, or accuser. And uh, it's interesting, he's working at this tirelessly. Uh, I don't know how this relates to what we experience in life here, but I think it probably does. Uh, I heard a loud voice uh, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren... Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Boy, boy he's busy. He's, he's busy day and night making accusations, slandering us. And boy, he tries to get us to slander one another and get us in, involved in the game with him too. It's what the devil does. The wiles of the devil. The wiles of the slanderer. All right. Um, one more thought before we leave that verse uh, on this emphasis on the whole armor of God. You know, if you're involved in a war, 
Uh, if you're a general and you're plotting out the attack on the enemy, uh, what are you looking for? The weakest link. That's right. You're looking where you can break through the lines there and you're going to look right, where are they the most vulnerable. And that's what you're going to go after. And I think the devil is a strategizer in that way. He's trying to hit us uh, where there might be any little compromise, where there's any little weakness, any little vulnerability. And if we don't have on the whole armor, we are in danger. And that's what he is going to show us as we continue on here. All right. Any other thoughts before we go on to verse uh, 12? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's key, I say. Yeah. But that's why we're told to to have knowledge of our Lord and Savior, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. If we do that, then we know that we can put our trust in Him because He's stronger than we are. Well, amen. But we can't do that if we don't know Him. That's right. And I think if we don't know the Word, we're vulnerable too. I think about how... Right. And I think, you know, when, when Christ, you know, our, our great example was tempted, what did he do? It is written. It is written. It is written. Just kept coming back to it is written. That's how he defeated the devil in those temptations. Uh, knowing the word is really powerful. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Okay. Somebody want to read verse 12 for us? Yeah. I need a. Okay. Boy, this is an interesting verse. You know why it's so interesting? Because lots of times it does feel like we are wrestling with people, right? These people are the problem. And, uh, you know, I think in a sense that's true. You know why it's true? It's because of who's working behind those people. And it's not really the people, the real source. And he gets to the real source here is the devil who's working behind. Uh, and he's got the whole world in, in his grasp. So uh, his point here is, though, uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The word wrestle is the idea of hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and, uh, you know, in wrestling, it's, uh, it's very intense. Uh, and a lot of times in wrestling, uh, deception and trickery is, is very important. In terms of overcoming an opponent. And so uh, we wrestle. Uh, there is a wrestling match going on. There's some hand-to-hand combat. It's, it's, uh, it's close. In a myriad of ways, the forces of darkness relentlessly work in conjunction with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to cause us to sin, to stumble in our walk. The devil ultimately seeks to do just what he did in the Garden of Eden, namely to get us to doubt God's word and then to disobey. And so he's constantly doing this. And uh, note the word against. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, and then he names uh, five things. The word against here is found five times in this verse. Again, emphasizing uh, intense, uh, direct opposition. And uh, we, are not, we are not to run from it. I mean, we run from the devil. He's going to stab us in the backs. It's like we are facing it. We don't run from it. 
but uh, uh, it is uh, defensive, but we're not running, we're wrestling. Uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, again, the devil works through people, but the real source uh, that, that we are wrestling is the forces of darkness here. Uh, and he influences all kinds of people for sure. Uh, I mean, he brings discord, slander, persecutions, unfaithfulness, lying, hatred, false doctrine, etc. Nelson uh, Study Bible says, Our real battle is not with human cultists, false religionists, atheists, agnostics, and pseudo-Christians, but with the demonic beings working through them, of which even the flesh and blood opponents themselves are sometimes unaware. Uh, they don't even realize how they're being used by the devil. But our real battle is not with these, uh, with these people. Sometimes it's really kind of hard to see beyond that because it seems like we are fighting these people, these wicked people. But uh, it goes deeper than them. It's really these forces of darkness behind them. And then he uh, brings forth this uh, fourfold description of these, uh, these uh, evil forces, these demonic forces. And the description here suggests that there is a rank and file of demons. Uh, It's stated in general terms. There's not always real clear classifications here. But we get the point. Uh, Against principalities, literally rulers, uh, these seem to be key high-ranking demons uh, who perhaps have authority over other demons. Uh, What are they ruling? They're they're ruling in the kingdom of Satan uh, somehow. And uh, against powers, uh, this is the idea of authorities. Again, overlap, uh, what's the exact distinction? Not totally clear. Uh, Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Literally, the world rulers of this darkness. World rulers of this darkness, indicating these uh, are really uh, seeking to rule the world in terms of darkness. And, uh, and they are ruling the world of darkness, in, in a sense. The rulers of the darkness of this age. The, the world rulers of this darkness in this age. And so they're seeking to influence the whole world. The whole world of affairs that's going on out here. And they are. Um, and they influence key human leaders. Uh, I, I think about, you know, we have the curtain pulled back just a little bit. In Daniel chapter 10, uh, Daniel's been praying. You know, and an angel comes. Uh, he perhaps Gabriel, going back to chapter eight, uh, said to me, "Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, fasting and prayer, your words were heard, and have and I have come because of your words." So you know what? He wouldn't have known this for three weeks that there was really an, an prayers being answered here. Uh, the angel's trying to get through. We think it was perhaps Gabriel. But then he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and I think he's talking about a, a demon that has a real stronghold over this whole area of Persia, uh, withstood me 21 days. What? What? Gabriel couldn't get through for 21 days? That's what he's saying. And behold, Michael, Michael the archangel, one of the chief princes, uh, these demons of the angelic world, either fallen or holy, are called princes here. The idea of, you know, they've got some uh, authority, spiritual authority. Came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So, it's interesting uh, how uh, these demons work behind the scenes in relationship to uh, what's going on in the world and the the powers that be in the world. 
you know, I feel sorry for some of these people sometimes as far as they're so wicked. And yet I feel like they're puppets of Satan and they don't even know it. I mean, we see this in our government today, in the highest places of government. And, and we see this really all over the world. Where are the godly leaders at the highest realms of, of government? In the United Nations, where are the godly leaders? Now, there's an exception here or there, I'm sure. But pretty exceptional indeed. And uh, he says, uh, so we're uh, wrestling against these, uh, these forces. And then finally he says, against this, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Um, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, uh, morally depraved in their character. They're wicked. Uh, and they're in heavenly places. It's interesting. Uh, their locale is in heavenly places. Uh, this is stated five times in the New Testament. By the way, all of them in Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 6, 3, 10, and here in chapter 6, verse 12. It seems like the, the heavens here, and there's three heavens, you know, where God dwells, uh, where, where the stars are, and then where the birds fly. And it seems uh, they have uh, some access to the heavens on, on, on some level here. It's where their base of operations are. Um, we know that Satan has uh, limited access. He accuses us before God night and day. We know in the book of Job, uh, he's coming before God and making his case, you know, in reference to Job. So um, what that all means, we're not sure. But we do know in the book of Revelation, in the middle of the tribulation, Satan's going to be cast out of heaven, and confined to the earth. And he's really angry at that point. But uh, so this would seem that this is kind of their, uh, their base of operations. And perhaps uh, they're able to, uh, you know, go very quickly from one place to another place in the world from their, from their heavenly base of operations. And uh, we have this unseen world uh, where there's, there's, there's just a whole bunch of demonic activity, hordes of demonic activity taking place there. Our struggle involves all of these categories of demons in ways we don't even realize. Uh, there is this sphere of an invisible reality related to the heavens that we are in conflict with, not in an offensive sense, but in a defensive sense, as we stand the ground that we already possess in Christ. We cannot let our armor down, or they will take full advantage of it. The enemy is supernatural and diabolically evil, and that is why we need God's supernatural power applied to our protection. In light of the reality of this spiritual warfare, we are again exhorted to put on the whole armor of God. And that's where he goes here in, in verse 13. But before we go to verse 13, any other thoughts on verse 12? Okay, somebody want to finish this out with verse 13? Yeah, Dwinette. Okay, he makes this point twice just so we would get it, right? Uh, he says it there in verse 11, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 11, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand. Now again, uh, verse 13, therefore, uh, he puts a therefore here, in light of what he's just said, that we are wrestling against these forces of darkness, therefore take up the whole armor of God. This is the answer. You need to have the whole armor of God on. And... Uh, the armor of God, I like that emphasis. It's God's armor. It's not our armor. It's the equipment that God has provided for us. And we'll 
unpack it next time uh, with uh, specificity. <laughs> uh, we're, this is all background here, kind of in a sense. But there's human responsibility here again. Uh, take up the whole armor of God. You need to apply it. God's equipment, God's provision. But you do need to make sure it's in place. Uh, or you'll be a spiritual casualty on one level. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And he says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. This is what enables you to stand. You have on the whole armor of God. And he says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You know, the evil day is when Satan throws everything at you. It's, it's what I sometimes call the perfect storm. Satan's perfect storm. And boy, sometimes that happens. I mean, we talk about when it, when, when it rains, it pours type thing. I mean... Uh, this is when the battle rages at its fiercest. And there are those times uh, when Satan comes with a most determined and strategic attack. And it's like he's been setting it up for this. And boy, now every, every minion that he has at his disposal, he's bringing the full, the full array of uh, power against us. Uh, this is when things are at their worst. This is crisis upon top of crisis. This is what Job experienced, the evil day. I mean, you read Job 1 and 2. One thing's happening, you know, his children are dying, losing all of his animals, then his health goes. I mean, one thing after another, after it's like, mercy, couldn't we spread this out a little bit? <laughs> Just piling on him. Uh, this is the evil day. And sometimes we get piled on. Uh, Honer, before Honer, <laughs> this is when you can't think straight, you're exhausted. You think you're going to lose it. This is the evil day. It's a critical day, which is an especially intense time of peril, trial, and distress. And uh, we see that with Christ during, during those, that special time of temptation. Um, Harold Honer says, The believer should be aware that they must be prepared, not only for everyday evils, but for the times of heightened and unexpected spiritual battles. And uh, indeed, I think that is the emphasis here. And then he says, and having done all, to stand. You got the full armor on. You're good. You'll come through standing. You're not going down. You're going to stay standing. If you got the full armor on. If you go down, it just proves you didn't have the full armor on. So we need to keep the full armor of God in place. Hold your ground and you'll come through standing. Again, uh, this emphasis on standing four times here in this uh, immediate uh, section right here. Verse 11, verse 13, and then again verse 14. Homer Kent, it should be noted that all of the equipment is defensive except for the sword, which is the, the word of God. And of course it uh, could be used defensively also, right? Yeah. Christians are never told to attack Satan, but to withstand or resist him, Homer Kent Jr. And finally, I have heard it said, be gracious to all you meet, for everyone is fighting a great battle. You heard that saying, right? It's true. And there is more truth to this than we realize, and it certainly is true of every believer trying to live a faithful life for Jesus Christ. Be gracious. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Uh, we need to be gracious with each other. Don't know what they're going through. Uh, it's easy to be critical sometimes, isn't it? Uh, but praise God, he has provided all we need to stand against the strategies of the devil. 
Uh, it is the armor of God. It's, it's his provision. It's his protection that is available for us. And we're going to go through this piece by piece uh, next time, Lord willing. All right. Any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Kind of introduction to uh, spiritual warfare uh, here in this uh, strongest text on spiritual warfare that we have in the New Testament. Any, any other thoughts? Yeah. Dwayne? Mm-hmm. I just add one thing that you better be familiar with the, army before the armor before the battle comes to you. <clears throat> right. Don't well, that's right. I think that's the idea. You have it on before the evil day comes on you. That's right. Amen to that. Somebody else? Well, I, I was just, you, you hit on it earlier about, uh, about you know, our pride. Uh, and, and this section here uh, is, is where <clears throat> we probably really need to, really need to work on remembering that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Because this, uh, a lot of us can lose a testimony just in this section alone. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's pretty hard to, to see beyond that person that you're looking at and is really being a problem, right? It's kind of hard to say, well, yeah, I see. Well, there's a deeper source here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, piggyback on the point. Yep. Sure. Absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. And we need to keep it on, right? We need, to, we need to put it on. We need to practice with it on. We have training exercises, right? So you get stronger. So you get prepared. You, 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 when you were in the military, you, you practice uh, all the time. Yeah, you're getting ready. Yep, that's right. Very good. All right. Anyone else? Okay, very good. Uh, Let's share some prayer items here.